after a couple of brief visits into the Old Testament, looking at God's care for the helpless, and then also just a reason to give thanks, we, we turn back to First Peter, and we're in chapter 3 this morning, and you may be happy to know that we have one verse to cover. Um, you may not be happy to know that when Samar asked me how long it takes you to cover one verse, I said, well, it would be about the same amount of time it takes me to cover um, any other group of verses. So, um, so just because there's one verse, it doesn't necessarily mean it will be any shorter. But we turn to husbands this morning, and it's not Father's Day. In fact, it's a healthy distance away from Father's Day, so it's about time for men for all of us to receive a reminder of the the high calling of the responsibility of being a husband that the bible um calls us to and just to be really honest when when i was preparing to get married and during the early stages of marriage the words that burned in my mind and in my soul that were a challenge and were frankly just scary were written by Paul when he said, Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And in the sacrificial example of our Savior, we have this example of how husbands are supposed to literally give up themselves, who they are, what they have for their wives. Coupled with that is, a, is another parallel phrase. It tells us to live with our wives or love our wives in an understanding way. And that's where we turn today. And so I want to challenge us men to, to stay awake, to pay attention, and then let the truth of God's Word sink deep into our hearts and may it transform us. But that doesn't let anyone else off the hook because the same principles that we look at today um, apply to us regardless of um, our marital status, regardless of our um, gender, regardless of our age. And so we begin this morning in verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 3 where Peter writes very simply, likewise husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Father, we pray this morning, asking for you to speak to us from your living word, that you would give us open hearts, give us hearing ears, give us alert minds. But most of all, Lord, give us willing spirits, willing souls that are able to be shaped and molded by the truth of your word and work in us to make us and form us to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this morning in his name and for his sake. Amen. So what I want to propose to you this morning is that hopeful homes are led by God honoring husbands. Hopeful homes are led by God-honoring husbands. And what is Peter saying in these verses? The first thing he's saying is that the conduct of husbands matters. That word conduct is an important word. Peter uses it several times in the book, in his writing, in this letter, to encourage us that the way we live our lives, the way that we 
conduct ourselves, the way we act, the way we behave, it matters. Not only in the world around us, but in the very homes that we're in. And so the way that a husband lives, the way that a husband acts matters. That's why he says, likewise, or in the same manner, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. You see, in the first century, this time period was a patriarchal society. It was male-dominated. What the husband said, what the man said, mattered most. And in fact, in a Roman household, the husband held absolute power over life and death over his family members. So when, in those days, if dad said, I could kill you for doing that, in a way, he really had the authority to have that done. Now, the Greek society was a little more refined. They were not quite that extreme, but the man still had a dominant role in the house. Now, Jewish families were not exempt because the traditions that we read about in the Torah and the Old Testament put the responsibility on the male, and the male took that responsibility seriously, but too much to an extreme to where all too often husbands were oppressive in their relationship to their wives. Now, granted, some were abusive on one extreme, and life was not easy for most, we could easily say. And so women had a challenging role of submitting to husbands that many times didn't listen to what God said. And we looked at that a couple of weeks ago, how they could humbly submit to their husbands and in some way be a part of God working in their hearts to soften them. But here Paul is talking, Peter is talking to husbands. He says, husbands, it's time for you, because of what Jesus has done in your life, to step up, be a man in your home. Now, we know that both man and woman, husband and wife, were called to humbly submit themselves to Christ, that wives are committed or are called to submit to their husbands. And then we have this phrase, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. And what he gives us is a roadmap or a blueprint, the plans for what a godly home can look like, what it should look like, what a hopeful home could be. And so he gives us this phrase, live with your wives in an understanding way. It's the second point there. Live with your wives. Now, at a basic level, understanding that, it means to reside together under the same roof. The two shall be one flesh. You know, a man will leave his mother and cling to his wife and they'll become one flesh. They'll live in their own house. They'll dwell together under the same roof. They'll be husband and wife. But the deeper implication, the deeper idea here is beyond just existing together in a building. It's thriving in a relationship, not just surviving. It's way beyond just getting along or putting up with one another. It's this idea of oneness or completeness, this one flesh relationship. Or as the country music group Alabama put it people think we live one life it's hard for them to see how anyone could be as close as she and I oh ain't it great and ain't it fine to love someone that others can't find ain't it wonderful to know all we ever need is just the two of us she and I that idea in the wedding vows of forsaking all others and Joining together with a husband and a wife in a family, in a home. 
And it says live with your wives. So don't just stay in the same house, but live with them. Get along with them. And he says in an understanding way. He gives us this call to understand our wives. Now, some of you may be looking, you know, at yourself and look at your wife and think, okay, we've been married, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, and I don't think I completely understand my wife yet. Well, on the other end of that, your husband, husbands, your wives understand you completely and they understand. You're going to get it one of these days. But the idea is to understand, to know their needs. And understanding is information by observation. It's taking the time to know what your wife likes. To know what she does not like, which many times is easier to, um, to understand. And hopefully if we learn the lesson quickly, we don't ever do those things again. But as one person said, the husband, the Christian husband, needs to know his wife's moods, feelings, needs, fears, and hopes. And then I love this. He needs to listen with his heart. Isn't that great? He needs to listen with his heart. Now, this is something, like I said, that comes naturally for women. And guys, let's be honest. We have to really, really work at this. One time someone asked Mrs. Albert Einstein if she understood Dr. Einstein's theory of relativity. And I love what she responded. No, but I do understand Dr. Einstein. You see, we need to continue to get to know our wives and to understand them. Or as one person said, you can't just pick up a book and read it. You have to learn how to read your wife. It's expected. It's the call of Scripture. Honestly, it takes work. But let me tell you, and you could probably testify the same, that it is absolutely worth it. But it takes much more than just getting to know your wife and understanding her. You have to understand God's plan for you and your wife. You have to understand God's will. Because this calling of a Christian husband, I mentioned earlier, is a high calling. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her in Ephesians 5.25. And then Colossians 3.19, husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. That there's this challenge, this calling and expectation that Christian husbands should unconditionally love their wives. It's underlined in the wedding vows by richer or poorer, all those different things. And then finally the, the statement that it finds it all till death do us part. It's loving them with an intentional, purposeful love that we see pictured perfectly in our Lord Jesus, that it's selfless. It's not about you. It's sacrificial. It's her needs before your needs. It's a sanctifying work where you're a part in helping her to grow or to flourish in Christ, and it's serving her, meeting her needs. See, it's God's plan, it's His best design that men would be spiritual leaders in their homes, acting out of this love, this intentional, purposeful love for their wives, that they're not working in their own strength, their own knowledge, but they're empowered by the Spirit of Christ, they're walking, imitating the person of Christ, and they're showing the love of Christ to their family and to their children. To where husbands show the extent of their relationship or the amount of respect they have for the Lord by the way they treat their wives. 
And so it's not just getting along together under the same roof. It's living life together, good and bad. It's building a home together, each person working in their unique role. The husband doing the husband things, the wife doing the wife things, and sometimes crossing over and helping each other on both sides of that. It's doing things together also. It's enjoying one another's company. It's just being together because you enjoy being together. And the day and the time that we live in where schedules are so busy, it's so much a challenge sometimes to carve away personal time for husbands and wives. But I encourage you to do it and to do it often. It's praying together. It's, it's seeking the Lord as a husband and a wife together. And it's just being together, being present with your wife. Ray Pritchard, who has written many books and preached for many years, said this, Women are amazing. That's why you can be married for 30 years and still find your wife fascinating and captivating. Her mind works in so many ways. The wise husband recognizes in his wife all sorts of talents and abilities, and he encourages her to develop them. So what does it mean to lead in your home? What does it mean to lead your wife as a godly husband? It means to help her to grow in her walk with God and to help her walk in her devotion to Christ. And we can really measure anything that we do inside our home along those guidelines. Does it help my wife to grow in her walk with God? Does it help her to build devotion to Christ? If it doesn't, then we need to see that as out of bounds and we need to really check our heart and we need to check our intent and say, is what we're wanting to do just our selfish goal or is it really something God has called us to do? Because the third thing I want you to notice is that not only are we supposed to live with our wives, we're supposed to honor our wives. It's the second part of the verse, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. That word honor means to show how much value is in something. So to honor your wife, to honor your spouse, is to show how much they are valued. Now I mentioned earlier that in Peter's day, society did not give much value to women. They weren't worthy in the eyes of the society to be worth much respect or even honor. But as in every case, every society norm, Jesus changes the situation. He takes the bottom and raises it up to the top, and he takes what's on the top and he puts it on the bottom. And so he elevates the status of those that the society considered lowly. And what does he do? He places all people on this level ground of the gospel. And so the call for us as husbands, as men, is to show your wives their true value. Another synonym for that word honor is the preciousness. Show your wife how precious she is, how unique she is, how different she is from all the other people in the world. How is she special to you? And that's bounded by the fact that she's created in God's image, that she's fearfully and wonderfully made. She's redeemed in Christ if she's a Christian. And if you're blessed enough to be married, that's a gift to you that's been given by the grace of God. Now, here's the truth, men. You can't fake this. You can't just pull the wool over your wife's eyes. You can't try a snow job. It's not going to work because she'll know by your actions. Because phrases like, I love you, 
just ring really hollow if they don't match the way that we treat our wives. You see, the phrase, I love you, has to be backed up by actions that show love. The phrase, I treasure you, I honor you, have to be backed up by actions that they feel treasured and they be honored. And the way we treat our wives, good or bad, reveals the truth of how much we respect them. And then more seriously, how much respect we have for God and for the truth of His Word. Many of you have probably read Matthew Henry's commentary somewhere along the way. And he says that to show honor to your wife is is to maintain her authority, protect her person, support her, delight in her conversation, provide for her handsomely, and place a due trust and confidence in her. And when you look at it that way, it goes way beyond just saying, I love you. Or maybe a card and some flowers and candy at at Valentine's Day. But it means to show the true value in her as a weaker vessel or a weaker partner, depending on your translation. It's clearly a, a reference to physical strength and stature. It in no way intends to say that, that women are, are intellectually um, less or they're to be valued less than men. It may also allude to the fact that in the society that Peter was writing to, these ladies lacked empowerment. That men had the physical strength, they had the social standing, and they had these powerful tools that if they weren't careful, they could use them in a way that would not honor God and could be damaging to their wives. And so Peter reminds husbands, you're, you're stronger than your wife. You have more privileges in society than your wife, and you have to be very careful not to abuse your position. Dr. Randy Stinson, who teaches at Southern Seminary, said it this way, you have to understand that your wife is, just, is not just another one of the boys. She's a weaker vessel. I was thinking about this, and I thought, you know, in, in all situations, we as men have a responsibility to treat our wives like you would treat fine china and, and not like a paper plate. And that really, when I put that picture in my mind, it helped me think about that. We need to recognize the beauty and the value of who she is. Treat her with delicacy and respect. You know, you think about, you break out the fine china and you handle it very carefully. You wash it very carefully. You put it back in the china cabinet very carefully because it's something that's special and valuable to you. Just like that, we would honor our wives. We honor the Lord by the way we speak to our wives, by the way we treat our wives, and by, by the way we speak of them to others. And China, just like it's passed down from family to family, represents a lifelong commitment. But oh, how often we treat those around us. How many men treat their wives like a paper plate? There's no value, there's no respect, and well, we'll just throw it away and get a new one. Oh Lord, give us hopeful homes. And Lord, may your marriage covenant be honored in the church in a way that it's not honored in the world. When I look at divorce statistics, it's, it's saddening to, to see that the numbers in the church and outside the church are just roughly parallel, and, and that shouldn't be. 
So God give us men that love their wives and treat them for who they are. Because he says also, Peter, that they're an heir of the grace of life. Not only are they created in God's image, they're fearfully and wonderfully made, but they are free to receive this gift of salvation just like any man. So both men and women are beneficiaries of the blessing of salvation. Grace knows no gender. Grace makes no distinction. And in Christ, all men and women are fellow heirs or recipients of all of God's promises. Another way of saying it, a woman has the same spiritual privilege and standing in Christ as her husband. And Peter draws this to the attention of husbands. He reminds us that we should treat our wives not only as unique and wonderful, but also as sisters in Christ. And that they're worthy of the respect of a child of God. I'm going to say it this way. Husbands, know this. Your wife deserves nothing less than your most elevated and intimate care, concern, love, and honor. And you look at these things and, 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 and many of the, the wives are saying, yes, yes, yes. And many of, the, of us husbands are saying, oh my gosh, this is a huge responsibility. It takes work. Yes, it does. But the truth of the matter is that we are equipped by the spirit of the living Christ inside us to achieve these things if we want to. Now, we get to the heart of this, you know, that, that ultimately this relationship with our wives, and this is the fourth thing, affects our communication with God. That your relationship with your wife affects your communication with God and vice versa, your communication with God, your relationship with God is going to affect your relationship or your communication with your wife. Our relationship with God can never be what it needs to be if our fellowship with our spouse and others is not right. We can't expect to have a vibrant relationship with the living God if we do not live in an understanding way, honoring the woman that God has given us to. Verse 7, the last part says, so that your prayers may not be hindered. He says these things will cause your relationship to be hindered, that there will be a break, a cutoff. That word hindered is the idea of an advancing army when they invade an area destroying the roads, that they would literally cut through them with a plow. They would destroy the roads so that it would be hard for their enemy to travel. And when we have broken relationships, then our relationship with God is hindered. It's frustrated. It's impeded. It's held back. It's not all that it needs to be. So if our relationship with our wife is not right, then our prayer life and our relationship with God can't be right either. It's plain and, and simple. So men, let me just ask you honestly this morning, how's your, how's your prayer life? Do you find it hard to pray? Are you frustrated by the whole idea of prayer? The things like, well, I don't think it achieves anything, or I just can't focus, or, you know, I, I don't know, I'm just not a praying person, or that's, that's something somebody else does. When you pray, are you seeing answers to your prayers? 
when you're fellowshipping with the God who created us and you're reading in His Word? Do you feel like you're having a conversation with God or do you feel like you're just spinning your wheels? Do you pray for your wife consistently? And do you pray with your wife consistently? See, if your relationship with your wife is suffering, then in all likelihood your relationship with God is as well. And that principle, you can reverse it. And it's the same for wives and also to all creations. If your relationships suffer, then your relationship with God is going to suffer. And if your relationship with God is suffering, then your relationships with, God, with others are going to suffer as well. We can't expect to have fellowship with God and not be able to get along with people around us. That's essentially what he's saying. And it's a reminder that that time we spend alone with God in a quiet place with no one around is so important to our relationship. Because as God's word travels into our hearts, it begins to transform us from the inside out. Essentially, he's saying, guys, it all starts in the home. Men, it starts with us. God give us you know, Christian homes, hopeful homes, a home where the beauty of submission attracts attention to Christ, where husbands love their wives like Christ loved the church, and we're working together, husband and wife, we live out the truth of the gospel and the power of the Spirit, and that we honor the Lord Jesus in our words and in our deeds. And early history, the governments, even though they were corrupt and even though they were pagan, firmly believe that if homes were in order, then the state would be in order as well. And they knew that the order in the home started with the men. One thing's not different in the 21st century. Godly homes will influence a society will influence the community. But it starts with men. It starts with us. It starts with husbands. So I want to give you some good places to start before we, we close. The first thing is pray with your spouse. Pray with your family. Not just at mealtime. If the only time you spend praying with your family or your spouse is around the table over a meal, that is woefully insufficient it won't sustain you pray with your spouse pray with your family the second thing is to grow your personal relationship with Christ I learned a long time ago early on um, in some of our, our marriage counseling about this thing they call the marriage triangle and it was the idea that for two Man, for a man and a woman who were married, the best way for them to grow closer together, to grow in intimacy, was for each of them to both be seeking after God. If they are both seeking after God, if they're both seeking after the things of Christ, then they're both headed in the same direction and they'll inevitably meet. And so, while you may be thinking of a list of things that you would like God to, to change or to work in the heart of your spouse, Realize very honestly that the list of things God 
intends to work in you is probably much longer. And so seek after God. Work on that personal relationship and trust God to bring you together as husband and wife. And then look at all the areas of your your marriage. Take an overall look, a big picture look at your, your marriage. Um, another thing I learned long ago is to, is to look at these areas. And we do take time, Deborah and I, to, to, to check ourselves in these areas physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. These realms of our marriage to make sure that we're, we're covering all of the, the bases. And you can see these right here in these verses. The physical part, live together. Abide together. It's right there in the verse. You know, how is your physical relationship? How is your living together? Intellectually. You know that phrase, in an understanding way. Do you challenge one another intellectually? Are you able to to discuss and disagree about things in a way that honors the Lord? How are you doing emotionally? Showing honor is what's in the verse. It's the idea of feelings and needs. Are you meeting each other's needs and feelings? And then most importantly, the one that will grow the others exponentially is spiritually. That phrase in the verse, heirs with you of the grace of life. That if you're in... A home where you desire to build a Christian home for yourselves and for your children and your grandchildren. That you're in it together. You're a partner. Equal in responsibility. Equal in the, the ability to hear from God and to, and to discern His will. And that you're heirs of all the promises of God in Christ. Of this grace of life. And you're in it together. The Bible's clear that... Men and women living for Christ, working together to build homes where the wives submit to the husbands and the husbands love their wives sacrificially and honorably. Builds Christian homes that in turn do what? They strengthen churches which are able to transform communities, which are able to transform, change literally the world. It's an old hymn. We, we didn't sing it much when I was growing up, so I can't say we sang it a lot, but I do remember it. Um, some of you may. God give us Christian homes. Homes where the Bible is loved and taught. Homes where the Master's will is sought. Homes crowned with beauty thy love has wrought. God give us Christian homes. You see, hopeful Homes, Christian homes, are led by God-honoring husbands. It's my prayer on this last Sunday in November that God would give us hopeful homes that would impact our church, impact our community, and impact our world with the goodness of the love of Christ and the power of His truth that we see in the gospel. Will you pray with me? Father, We are grateful for your love for us. We are thankful for the salvation that you pour out on us generously through your grace. 
We're thankful that you don't leave us, you don't forsake us, you haven't abandoned us. And we thank you that in this challenge of building homes that are full of your presence and full of hope, that we don't lack your presence and your power to help us. So I pray for the men, my brothers in Christ that are here today. I pray for those that are husbands, those that will be husbands one day. God, that you would work in us the truth of this. The importance of building our relationship with you, strengthening our walk with you, that we would be so connected to you that we could begin to see what it means to love the ones you've placed in our lives as our wives sacrificially with understanding, with honor that would bring glory to you. And that you would help us be the the leader, the catalyst, even though imperfectly, that would cause our, our wives, our children, our grandchildren, and even the generations after that to grow and flourish in the truth of your word and the delight of your presence and the bounds of your love and grace. Father, we admit that we cannot do that apart from you. And so, Lord, we call on you. We have great need of you. And so, Lord, this day, help us to commit ourselves to that. Lord, if there's a man, there's a young man here that that needs to know that assurance of salvation, that needs the power of the indwelling Christ in him to live the life that you desire, I pray that today would be the day that you would draw him. Lord, if there's a a woman or a child for the same, Lord, that if today is the day you speak to their heart and you desire to transform them and give them new life in Jesus, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, help us to hear what you've spoken to us and to respond in a way that gives honor to you. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.